Welcome to the Music Education Advocate Podcast, where we share stories and strategies to support music education advocacy. My name is Jasmine A, and I'm your host. On today's show, we're talking about how effective advocacy involves a variety of people. And today, our guest is Amy Harrison. Hey, Amy, how's it going? Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited that you're here. All right, so tell the listeners um, who you are, what you do. Tell us a little about, about yourself. Awesome. Well, yes, my name is Amy Hairston. I'm over here on the East Coast in Maryland. Um, I am a choral and general music educator in Montgomery County, which is also the biggest county in the state of Maryland. And I'm also the advocacy chair for the Maryland Music Education Association. (laughs) Yeah. I want to know a little bit about how you got into music education advocacy. Um, And then we'll go from there. Excellent. So I thought about this today because I feel like I've had an interesting road specifically to what I would title as advocacy. Um, You know, music teachers, I feel like we all are advocates, but in the ways that are also our professional responsibilities, which is crazy. (laughs) Okay, talk to me, talk to me. Um, yeah, so I I thought about my early career when you know I did tons of fundraisers all the time and so we were out in the community constantly um you know making sure that we could get the funds that we needed for the program. But then as part of those fundraisers the kids were performing, um we were selling tickets for special, you know, fundraiser concerts. Um and then on the flip side I was also recruiting for the program all the time. So I was constantly talking to people about the music program and why they should be a part of it and why they should support it. But I just didn't realize that that also can count as advocacy. Yes, (laughs) yes, it is embedded because you got to build up the program. You got to make sure the kids have what they need. Um, Exactly. I like how you use the word professional responsibility. Like we don't, Think about it that way, but it is a part of what we do. It is our responsibility to make sure we're advocating in that way. Very much so. So then, you know, from there, I started to get really interested in helping other teachers advocate for their programs. And and once again, I still didn't really realize what I was doing, you know, but I would hear, you know, this teacher got their classroom taken away and they had to go into a portable or they had to go onto a cart. And I, you know, I would be the one to say, no, you know, like you've got to have your own classroom. This is not fair. I'm emailing people. I probably am not supposed to be talking to, you know, like get in there. Yes. 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 I started, I really started to stick my foot in, you know, and say like, we can do better. We can definitely make this happen in a much better way. Um, And so then what finally brought me to a true, you know, advocacy hat was I was still kind of doing those things with MMEA. um, And our current president nominated me to become the advocacy chair. And, And it was so cool because, you know, I just didn't realize that, oh, yeah, I guess that is what I've been doing. It'd be pretty cool to keep doing that. Yeah. <laughs> start helping other people feel like they're able to do it. And so that's kind of how I got to where I am today, learning how to continue to be a strong advocate and helping others to do the same. 
this is gonna be so good. Amy, I'm so excited to talk to you about this stuff. Yes, and she dances with me. Yes, I wish, uh, our <laughs> listeners can see us doing the dance because we are pumped. Um, you said something that sent the light bulb off in my brain in the embedded ways that we are doing advocacy as teachers that we don't even realize. Like if we were to sit down and say, oh wait, I guess that is advocating. It is getting people to act positively on behalf of our students on, on what their needs are. And you were wearing that advocacy hat well before your president nominated you to be in the role for the advocacy rep. And I think that that's something as teachers, we don't realize that we are already advocates. Yes. Every day. We're every advocates. So. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. I think that should be a, a show in of itself. Everyday advocates. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got distracted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so today we're going to be talking about, uh, the way that you as a teacher started to kind of build the support system and network of advocates. So, uh, you emphasize that advocacy takes a village, takes multiple people, variety of people. Let's talk about who's in that group of people that you have included. Definitely. So I, at the school where I am now, um, we have a very connected group of alumni and having those alumni continuously, continuously come back and give back to the school really opened my eyes to the true village that you have access to when you're in your school. Um, I really feel like that village should include your current students and their families, um, your colleagues in the building, but then also across the district and being able to communicate across programs and understand you know, what works. Um, but then the, a huge part of that team is your administrative team. Mm -hmm. um, being able to have the support of everyone that is running the operations of the building yes. and running you know, the vision for the school. Um, if you can work together with them and have them as a part of the village, um, it goes a really, really long way. I love how you started off with the alumni. Um, mm -hmm. So my area was elementary. Mm -hmm. And as they went to middle school, it was the, the best thing. Even in elementary school, we have alumni, right? Our elementary kids would go to middle school and then they would find a way back into that building and then they would come and talk to the students that were in the classroom and say, oh, pay attention to what you're doing in music because you're going to need it for band, you're going to need it for orchestra, you're going to need it for choir, you're going to need it when you get into middle school. Like that was a legit way for them to kind of keep that ecosystem. I was talking to another advocate the other week about this ecosystem that we have of once we have those kids in our classroom and then we send them up to the next level or we send them out into the world to create music the the people that went before them is a huge part in in the advocacy that we're building for this music education ecosystem so i love how you started off with your alumni but i want to jump back to what you were talking about the district level you had said earlier you had heard about a teacher who had lost their classroom and you were sending emails and <laughs> i think you said like putting your sticking your foot in it or something like get your yeah. toe in or something um I I want to talk about 
the importance of teachers not only helping their own program, but other programs in their district. Can you can you elaborate some more about that? Absolutely. So, you know, when because we are often on an island in our buildings, you know, there's generally speaking, there's one choral general educator. There is one yes. instrumental music educator in the building. And so in our county, we often use the word singletons, you know, like we have mm -hmm. colleagues in the building who are in their PLCs, their professional learning communities. They see each other all the time. They communicate with someone from the county, but generally speaking, they plan and work with one another. Yeah. If we want to do that across the county, you know, we've got to set up meetings and we've got to figure <laughs> out who has, who has the cool? available space. Yes. You know, like we had to do it after school, just like you said. So it yeah. feels like it's a little bit more cumbersome, but those relationships are so helpful because when the going gets tough, you are reminded that you're not by yourself. Mm -hmm. um, almost every advocacy issue has been dealt with by someone else before you. Yes. You yeah. know, you don't have to come at it like you're the very first person who's ever had to fix this yes. particular yeah. issue. And that yeah. was something, you know, that was a big lesson that I had to learn over time um, just from my own experiences. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think keeping that connection with your colleagues just really, really helps with the positives. So the strengths in your programs are like, oh my gosh, they tried that. I would love to try that with my kids. My yeah. population is similar, et cetera. You know, you, you can keep that connection, like I said, for the positives, but then also when things get challenging, mm -hmm. um, having that support network is very helpful. It's very, yeah. And that, that physical isolation can be a real trip because you're you're in your building that you go into every day and you get caught up in it's just me by myself it's me by myself and what you said like what do you say this isn't you don't have to go it alone this isn't the first time that somebody has ever had to face the same issue right um, and building that network with your district people is vital even if it's virtual distant like if you just meet virtually i remember <laughs> We, after the pandemic, I started meeting with my district people virtually, and we were able to meet more than we were before the pandemic. And it was a huge impact on us being able to have conversations about what we're teaching, how are we advocating for our program, what's different, what's new. Yeah, having that connection with your district people is, is paramount. Um, let's talk about admin. Admin, I, I will say that I have had both ends of the spectrum. I had an admin who was super supportive, who knew all the things because she had a like a personal connection to music education. She was on it all the time. And then I had another admin who had no clue what I was doing, didn't know anything about music. And because of that, those two different like people, I had two different experiences with my admin. So how do you, um, how do you approach working with admin? Yes. So I'm with you. I've had pretty much the same experience where it, I mean, it runs the whole spectrum of, you know, what type of support you have. Yep. And 
what I feel like I've learned over time is the more that you communicate, the better. The more that you make it clear that the school community yeah. is benefiting from the existence of the program, the, the better. Um, the school yeah. community is benefiting from the programs. The students are benefiting from the program. Parents are benefiting from the program. Yes, yes. Yes. Sorry, go ahead. That and was then, good. But, oh, yeah. But I mean, you know, the families and then literally every single special school event that there is, right? They always come to us and say, can you play for this? Whether it's in three months or three days, you know, oh my gosh, please come <laughs> over here. Like we need, we need this for graduation. We need this for the open house. We need, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Um, and so we not only are able to provide that extra joy to all of the events, yes. Um, but then we also do have to remind everyone that it takes time to get to that place. That yes, the, yes, yes. Yeah, the ensemble does not magically, show you know, up. get to the. We don't just show <laughs> up. We rehearse for weeks, months, etc. You know, to get those programs done. And so, if you don't support the staffing for the mm position for the teacher to be able to run the courses, to be able to rehearse, to yes. be able to be at those events, um, then, you know, those things will not happen. And so, you know, being able to communicate with admin, not just for the things that they would like, but also, you know, keeping your voice going mm -hmm. for the things mm -hmm. that you're doing for the program, um, it just helps a lot. So, so for example, you know, I'm, I'm trying to train baby advocates at school right now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> train, those baby. train them up. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I asked them to do, um, which we did for our winter concert was to write a quick little note to anybody in the school community about why you would love if they could come to the show. So, oh. You know, yeah, one show, one side had the program info and the other side was just a, a space for them to write in. Like, I would really love if you could come and they could give it to the principal. They could give it to their counselor, anybody. So then, you know, those connections just continue like, yes, come see me doing this Aww. when, you know, we have kids that do all kinds of other stuff. And it's like, I would love for you to see me in this positive environment. <laughs> Oh my yeah. God. I, that is the sweetest thing I've ever heard of. And I will tell you, um, that actually happened. That reminds me, I had a, I had students in, who went to middle school and I thought they forgotten about me. And when they had their first concert, somehow their teacher arranged it so that I got like my inner office, the district mail. So I never checked my mailbox because it was, I never really got a lot of mail. Mm -hmm. um, but I walked to my mailbox and I had like five or six little notes that said, please come to my concert. Thank you for being my elementary music teacher. I'd love to have you there. I mean, that was it touched my heart. I was like, oh, these sweet babies, I'm coming. And it was a beautiful thing to be able to see them as their elementary music teacher and them in that place. So, all right, listeners, go ahead and do that. She gave you a legit strategy. Get out there and have them children asking personal invitations because 
that is advocacy. That is something that we all can do and we can replicate it, right? Like, hey, send this to the principal. I mean, and how powerful would it be? Because we know we have students who music is the place that they shine. Yes. Music is the place that they feel the safest. They feel the most successful. And then for them to go to somebody else who they might not feel as comfortable and say, hey, look, I might not be good in your class, but come see me in music because this is this is my space. Like, oh, sweet babies. Um, <laughs> I love that. I love that example. And then like, you're also engaging parents because they might want to write a letter to their parents, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Okay, so you talked about communication. You're obviously talking to these people. Mm-hmm. It's not just you. You've got the alumni coming back into the program. You've got the current students going out of the program. Good Lord. I mean, this is, this is wonderful. Um, <laughs> so I guess the other question is, you know, where, where does the, the parents, because we kind of talked about a little bit, but where do parents and like community members come into to your thinking of advocacy? Yeah, so they, I feel like they can come in in multiple ways, um, including ways that may not be the the traditional one. So I say that because, you know, my school is a very, um, very diverse environment in terms of socioeconomic status, um, ethnicity. We have a lot of students whose parents work not only eight hour shifts, but they're going, you know, eight plus yeah. mid shifts working overnight. Yeah. You know, we don't necessarily have a lot of parents who can do a three thirty bake sale or, you know, those, anything that's yeah. during the day. Uh-huh. Um, and so even then as well, sometimes I have parents that have to have their kid get a ride to the concert and yeah. they can't stay for the show. And so what I try to do is think about the multiple ways that they can still be supportive of the program, um, even if they can't always physically be there. Um, yeah. Yes. And I, I really, really feel like that is where a lot of us have to put some focus. Mm-hmm. How can parents show support for their child being a part of this um, even if again, they, they need to do that remotely somehow. Yes. Uh, yes. And so okay, that's... Wait, hold on one second. Cause <laughs> let us talk about that. Yeah. Please. Um, because one, one of the things that kind of blew my mind when I started doing advocacy work was I always had those parents that were always going to be able to be there. Mm-hmm. And then I always had those parents who whose kid would have to ride with somebody else because they had to go to work. Not that they didn't want to be there. They wanted to be there. And I knew that they would, their kid would be there. So they made the, the, the work to get their kid there. They just had other priorities for survival in life that mm-hmm. kept them from coming and showing up. And it took me forever to realize that that parent still needed to be treated as if they were valued in my program and I still needed to find ways to engage them. Um, and I, I do think that that's an area that we as educators don't necessarily think about the outside factors that are impacting the actions 
in, in engaging in the program. But I interrupted your awesomeness. I'm sorry. I just, oh. I feel like we need to have that said multiple times that just because a parent isn't able to show up for those bake sales and those car washes and all of that other stuff doesn't mean that they don't want to be engaged. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, I, I came at that, I came to that realization from multiple paths to include becoming a music parent. So, mm-hmm. you know, not only am I a music teacher, but I am now the parent who did not get the sh- concert shoes that fit and had to go the day of and go get the shoes. <laughs> you know, like, it's I'm there now and it's in the perspective has shifted even further that there are so many different ways, just like you said, that families can support the program. And if we can tap into that, then the branches of our advocacy just go even further. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, do you have a parent that I think about a one of my friends has a neighbor that is a YouTuber, like a money-making makeup tutorial YouTube. So imagine having that parent as part of your program that could run social media, you know, for what you're doing and, and make like high quality video recordings of what Mm -hmm. you're doing and find out how to, to live stream something that you're doing and get through the, the hurdles that we dealt with in quarantine with, um, you know, the rules for the uh, copyright and everything. Like you have somebody who understands media in that way and can knock that out for you. Um, Oh my gosh. Like, (laughs) like the sky is the limit. Yeah. And and even just asking, Hey parents, what do you think you're good at? Right. Yes. What do you think you're good at? I, I I will take skills any day. (laughs) Like, are you good at organizing? Are you good at just being there? Do you have a great, like people, person voice? Are you, you know, the, a speaker that we could call on? Maybe we could ask you to come speak at a board meeting to help, you know, support funding. What are you good at parents? Because we can use you in any way. If you're a parent right now, your music program could use you in any way. I promise. Um, (laughs) We, cause we can get creative. Uh, I thought, how many times have I seen my, my little babies? I love little people. How many times did I see them after their concert and their parent couldn't come because they were working, like you said, because I taught at um, in schools that had a lot of parents who were working two and three jobs and they would ride together in groups with grandma or auntie or somebody in the community, right? Um, But it didn't hit me until, again, later in my teaching career why didn't I have like parents record or write letters to their students so that I could share with their students before their performance? It's like, I'm proud of you. Or even have a parent testimony, go to the principal and say, Hey, this is what, this is the impact of, of music for my kid. I mean, allowing the parent the opportunity to share that, even though they couldn't be there. I still think that that's, that's one of the things I want to work on. Even though I'm not in the classroom, I just want to find ways to engage parents who really want and who are supporting their kids. They just don't support it in the traditional ways that we are used to. Exactly. Yeah. And if, if you're listening and you have found great ways to um, engage parents who are 
working three and four jobs or are are trying to find a different way to engage parents, let us know. Send us a note to this episode or talk to us on Amplify um, because we would love to share more ideas about how to engage parents who are really trying to support their kids in a different way. All right. um, So outside of engaging the village of people that we've talked about, like admin, we've talked about students, alumni, parents. I mean, this is gold. I love it. What other advice would you share with teachers who are wanting to become advocates? So I'm super excited about this part, just based on everything that we just spoke about. (laughs) You know, as, as I mentioned, this is, I've, I've been teaching, you know, I have a full-time load. I have six preps this year. Yes. Um, so, you know, I'm doing a lot. It's musical season. We've got rehearsal. Um, and right before we spoke, I was just getting my son home from his cello lesson. So, you know, I have to think very often about what, what bandwidth do I have Mm. in order to do this work that I feel is so important. And so, My biggest piece of guidance, I think, would be for teachers to think about what their strengths are. So just like we talked about the parents offering their strength and their um, what what they're able to contribute, we can all do the same thing, um, especially when something special comes up. Mm -hmm. Um, So you know, big shout out to University of Maryland for both of my degrees, because (laughs) being in grad school there made me a really strong writer. I can knock out a a letter, a document. I can, I can do that like clockwork now. And it became a strength that I can use in multiple ways to include like this big issue came up, letter to the governor, let's go, <laughs> edited, signed, go, you know? <laughs> I know, I know that I can write really fast, you know, I know that I can knock that out. What I know is harder for me is going to the board meetings that yeah. the students can testify for and the parents can testify for because they're done with work as an example. Yeah. Um, it's just harder for me to get there. But I know that I can send something. I know that I can gather people through messaging and through writing. And so I try to maximize that because I know that that's what my strength is. And so I think if teachers can keep that in mind, they know that they want to support an issue, but have to brainstorm how to do it. I think they should definitely start with the things that they know that they have the capacity to do. Yeah. Um, within what their um, current responsibilities are. Exactly. Yes, 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 yes. All these things. And I, I think as a teacher, we look at advocacy because a lot of us didn't have a class in it. So it's just like this big, scary, hairy monster that yeah. like, oh, where do we even begin to, you know, as you said, put our toe in, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think it's, it's sitting down and like you said, figuring out one, what's your bandwidth? What can you do? Um, two, also figuring out what are you already doing? Who is that network of advocates that you already have engaged? 
and expanding it little by little. We talked about all of those people that you can include and how are you either A, educating them about the importance of music education or B, teaching them how to advocate without you being in the room. Mm -hmm. And that it's actually not as hard as you think it is because when we talk and we praise our students and we praise how great this program is and we're honest and clear that, like you said, we don't just show up to these events that you invite us to ready to go. It takes a certified teacher, it takes class time, it takes materials, it takes money. one of the things I learned was how to write a proposal. Mm-hmm. I had never thought about, okay, well, if somebody were to ask me, we have, you know, $20,000, what do you need? I would not have, I would not have known what to like write down. I would not have had that ready. I was like, oh, well, we could use a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but sitting down and thinking about what are the needs of the program? And then how do I share that with others? Right. That was one of the things I had to figure out because I, I was used to doing it by myself. Yeah. I was, by myself. I was like, oh, I'll figure it out. <laughs> we don't have that. Oh, I'll figure it out. But um, sitting down and figuring out, you know, what's your bandwidth and what are you good at? And I found yeah. that I was good at organizing things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a, I mean, that's a major strength in the whole picture of what needs to get done and what needs to be shared. Yeah. It can't, it can't be willy nilly and all over the place. Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We can't be winging it out here. I think there's yeah. like this, uh, the, there's this like TikTok. It's like, I'm just out here winging it. I'm not sure what I'm doing. I'm like, mm, I wish that would work for advocacy, but it doesn't like <laughs> to make it effective. You actually do need to make a plan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I will say, uh, NAFME has a really good resource um, called the Action Plan, the Local Advocacy Action Plan. And I sat down and I did that and I was like, wow, there are a lot of things I didn't even think about in this program. Like, where are my funding streams? Where's mm-hmm. my money coming from? Never thought about it. I was like, oh, I never knew. And, you know, so sitting down and trying to make that plan is a start, but also figuring out where are you good? What are you good at? Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, this is great stuff. Okay. Uh, the last question that I have for you, when I always ask my guest, so you kind of know what I do. I work for NAFME and I do advocacy work. Do you have any questions for me? It could be music questions, educator questions, advocacy questions. Yes. So this is one that's a a, kind of a lifelong journey at this point. (laughs) Um, But what what would you say um, is the best way for all of us as both educators and advocates to not burn out? How do we keep the work going, but not take ourselves all the way to the edge and just Mm want to stop? That's a good question. I think really taking a, a true step back and realizing it's not your job to, to fix it all. Mm-hmm. And that there are people that actually want to help you. You yes. have a classroom full of students who have people who want to help them and to see them grow and succeed. Um, 
And you're not alone in that process. I think we get burnt out because we try to do it all. We do too much, mm-hmm. too fast. <laughs> it's overwhelming. And then we want to quit because we feel like we're alone. But the reason we do this is because of our students. Yeah. And they have people who want to see them succeed, whether it's other colleagues, whether it's admin, it could even be building staff. I have built relationships with building staff in order to help benefit my students because I recognize that, oh, wait, that's another person I can include in this advocacy journey. Um, Take breaks sometimes Mm -hmm. in some of the hairiest and scariest um, advocacy, you know, moments and spaces and places, you got to breathe. And that's hard for us as teachers. It's hard for us to take breaks. Because your yeah. work is never ending. The work never ends, right? Even in the summertime, work never ends. Um, right. But get into the practice of taking a break. That's hard for me. Still is to this day. I need to learn to do that. Hold me accountable, listeners. Mm-hmm. Send me a message. Be like, have you taken a break lately, Jasmine? Um, <laughs> right? I have a student um, who asks me every day, did I eat my lunch? <laughs> <laughs> and the answer is no more than half of it <laughs> so, those, those breaks are very important yeah thank you for your care <laughs> and I, that's a good thing right like to have I mean not that you're saying it's not good that you're saying no more times than not but to have people in our corner who care enough to ask how we're doing. Yes. Yeah. Because our kids are looking at us. Our students are looking at us. They know they see stuff and they take it all in. Right. Uh, and I think some people are just waiting for you to ask. And if you get a no, it's okay. It's a no. It doesn't mean it's a no forever. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's a no for all the things. It's just one no for that day, that space and time. Um, yeah, so, you know, you, you don't have to, we as people, and this is a life lesson, we as people don't have to do it all. It's not our job to save, fix, and do it all. It, it really isn't. We do the best we can, when we can, and where we can. Yeah. Um, and that looks different depending on the day, the month, the year. Uh, and, and reflect on that, like, where are the places that you're growing? celebrate those places where you're growing i am all about hey is there a little win we're about to have a party because this is a long game and we need to pause and celebrate those wins just as much as we are striving to advocate for our students absolutely thanks yeah yeah amy i i need you to eat your lunch though I want you to be healthy and well because you're doing some awesome stuff. And but I cannot wait to see all the awesome things that you continue to do in Maryland. I am honored to know you. Everybody, watch out for Amy Harrison out in Maryland. She is an amazing force of good for music education. But I have enjoyed our time together. And yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much. This was a great conversation. I appreciate you so much. Oh, yeah. Same to you. I need to go back and like marinate on some goodness that you just shared with us. 
to our listeners, if you have enjoyed Amy's conversation, her wisdom, please let us know, send us a message so we can get it to her so she can be reminded of our greatness and to also remember to eat her lunch and take care of herself because we need her and educators like her in this world more and more. And as always, let's go make some music and we'll see where we go from here. All right, everybody. Bye. Bye.